Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, Rabbi Congregation Kol Israel in Brooklyn, have conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. This week for Parshat Shemot, I have my father, Alvin Reinstein. Hey, Dad. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Okay, I'm doing great. Great. Um, so, um, I mean, on one level, I wanted to have you this week because it's it's your bar mitzvah parsha. Right. Um, but it also makes sense to have you sometime. Um, so, um, do you mind introducing yourself? I mean, obviously, I know who you are because I've known you my entire life. Oh, I, I'm Alvin Reinstein, uh, Rabbi Sam's uh, father. Um, I was uh, an administrator for the government, for the New York City Housing Authority for 32 years, and I retired in 2010. Um, and then with my wife's encouragement, uh, I joined the YU Smicha program at REITS. And um, it, it was at the same time that uh, Sam was taking his uh Smicha coursework. So we ended up in some of the same uh, classes together. And uh, it, it was a very unusual circumstance for a father to be in classes with his son and for a son to be in classes with his father. But it was very enjoyable. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we learned a lot uh, together. Yeah. And then, and then we graduated together because YU Smicha um, only has like a big graduation every four years right. or now every three years. So um, even though I finished a couple of years earlier, um, we were in the same graduating right. cohort, <laughs> if you might correct. put it that way. Um, but yeah. Sam, Sam um, has a job as a rabbi. <laughs> I um, have decided thus far not to be employed as a rabbi. Right. But but um, something that you do do that people might not know and might be interested in, in getting, and you can let me know um, if you're interested, but you, you for the last seven years, have written uh, very in-depth Parsha questions for our, for our shul in Tinek Beth Aaron, um, and it's pretty impressive. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, so before we get into our, our conversations, um, I wanted to, I always do a quick summary of the Parsha. Um, I'll try and do it in 30 seconds, um, but I don't always do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we begin the book of Exodus. After the children of Yaakov die out, the Jews multiply and prosper in Egypt. This makes Paro nervous. There will be an uprising. So he makes them slaves. This doesn't work. So he orders the midwives to kill the young males, but they don't. He then orders each, every young male to be thrown into the Nile. Moses is sent into the Nile and is saved by Pharaoh's daughter, who raises him. After killing an Egyptian who is mistreating a Jew, Moshe flees. He meets Zipporah, who he, who he marries. He then sees a bush that is burning but is not being consumed. From it, God tells him to go back to Egypt to take the Jews out. He requests, he requests Pharaoh with his brother Aaron's help, but Pharaoh doesn't listen. Okay. There's a lot going on this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'd be curious to hear what, what you were thinking about. Uh, well, um, you know, because obviously you, you, you know, you yeah, read this every but, year. But. Um, you know, what I was thinking about is that the Parsha tells us that God chose Moshe to lead B'nai Israel, the people from Egypt, 
to freedom in the promised land of Eretz Yisrael. But the text really does not give a clear explanation as why God chose Moshe. What was so special about Moshe that made God decide on him? Uh, I think that the Torah indirectly lets us know in this week's parasha, but we really have to analyze the story a bit, uh, and that's what I'd like to talk about. So, which story were you were you thinking of? Like the the story of yeah. him growing up, or the story the, the of story the of, or maybe of, the story of of right. when he kills the, the Egyptian? The story of his birth and uh, and his growing up and uh, killing the uh, the Egyptian, and then there were two Israelites who were fighting, and then he went to Midian. So those are those are the items I'd like to talk about. Okay, so yeah, so I mean that's doing a pretty good summary of the whole thing. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear hear what you mean. The parsha says that Moshe was born at the height of the Egyptian persecution of Bnei Yisrael, using forced labor—that's slavery—after the failure of Paro's plan that you alluded to to reduce the number of Israelites by having the midwives kill all of the newborn boys. He required that all of the newborn boys be thrown into the Nile River to to drown, right? So in addition to shrinking the number of Israelites, Paro was told by his astrologers that the Redeemer of of the Israeli people um, who would take them out of Egypt was about to be born, and Paro needed to kill him, this Redeemer, Okay. Right, and, and, and that's a that's a right. midrash, right? The midrash um, that that right. that's that's why Paro now, was doing now all this. The since the astrologers also told him that the redeemer would die as a result of water, so drowning him in the river made a lot of sense to Paro. But what Paro didn't realize was that Moshe would later be punished through water because he struck the rock uh, to provide water to the people in the desert, which was against God's wishes, okay? Wait, so the... The, the the people that say that that's the reason Moshe didn't go into into our right. into the land of Israel that it was because he struck the rock instead of speaking to it to get water it, do they point to that midrash or or is that um, something that you're saying right uh, now uh, no I I I've seen it in some of the commentaries where 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 they mention oh, that okay. he was punished through water. Uh, through through the water that that he brought forth uh, uh, from from the rock. Huh. Okay. So oh, cool. after Yochevet okay. gave birth to Moshe, she was able to hide him from the Egyptians for three months. But after she could no longer hide him, she put him in a wicker basket and had his sister Miriam place him to float on the Nile River. Then. Paro's daughter, who happened to be bathing in the river at that time, found him and adopted him as part of her family in the palace. So we see here that God's plan was manifest in this, since 
Paro's plan for the destruction of Israel by drowning them in the Nile became part of God's plan for saving the Redeemer of the people. You know, there's an old Yiddish expression, Mon tracht und Gott lacht. This means that men think of plans for what they will do, but God laughs at them and he alone decides what actually would happen. And here he foiled uh, Paro's plan for the destruction of the Jewish people. Okay, It's interesting to note that Paro's daughter named him Moshe from the Hebrew word for drawing out from the water. But logically, he should have been named Marshui, right? That, which means he was drawn out of the water, rather than Moshe, which means one who draws out, okay? But the Torah here is hinting prophetically that Moshe in the future would be the one who would draw out his people from the bondage of Egypt, okay? Um, but because Paro's right. daughter hired Moshe's own mother to nurse him, he, be, he, Moshe, became conscious of his connection to the enslaved people, and he was sympathetic to alleviating their plight. And since he was reared and educated in the palace with the freedom that was afforded to the highest caste of Egyptian society, his training in the palace also shaped him into his future role as Israel's leader and liberator. Um, so, and while right. Egyptian society, especially at the top, was corrupt and immoral through and through, since Moshe was under the guidance of his own Israelite mother, he was steered away from the Egyptian framework of depravity. He acquired the ability to act with knowledge of what was right and righteous and not act in an immoral and evil manner. When later in the parasha, he talks to God about confronting Paro, his, Moshe's first words are, me or nohi, who am I? to be worthy to go to Paro. But what he was actually saying is, me or no he? Who am I? Am I the favorite son of Egypt? Or am I a despised son of the Israelite slaves? Thus, when Moshe grew up and right. saw the realities of the bondage, he had to decide whether he would act like a degenerate Egyptian as he had been taught in the palace, or would he proceed with a sense of justice as he learned from his mother and his fellow Israelites? Um, the, the Torah relates that Moshe saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating one of the Israelite slaves. The Torah tells us, Vayifen ko vocho vayar ki ein ish. He turned here and there and saw no man to witness what he was about to do, and then he attacked the Egyptian and killed him. The Talmud, however, explains that vayif and ko means that 
He turned first to his Egyptian philosophy, which would make him comfortable with the torture of others. And then he turned to his Israelite philosophy, which focused on what was right and wrong. And he saw Kianish, that he himself was not a fully developed man with a singular understanding of what he should do with his life. At that moment, he realized that he had to do what was moral, and he killed the evil Egyptian. He became an honorable human being and a man imbued with justice and morality. Okay? The next day... That's according to that, who? Who is that according to? Uh, the fact the that he looked each way that way? Soto. Okay. Um, uh, interesting. The okay. next day, Moshe was horrified to see two Israelites fighting. He intervened to make peace, and the aggressor said to him, who made you a ruler over us? Are you going to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian? And then the two Israelites informed right. on him to Paro that Moshe had killed the Egyptian and Moshe had to escape Paro's wrath, and he fled to Midian. So this episode really shows us two things. First, when Moshe slayed the taskmaster, he set himself at political odds with the throne that had reared him. And the Egyptian prince that lurked in his heart was which was part of his dual identity, became submerged. He had to submerge it into his subconscious. The Torah then says, meaning that he buried the Egyptian whom he had killed in the sand. But Moshe also buried Moshe the prince in his subconscious and became the spiritual do-gooder that prepared him for his future of prophecy. Secondly, from the reaction of the two Israelites, he saw that B'nai Israel were not yet ready for redemption since they lacked the unity that was required to protect one another. They were still slaves in spirit as well as in body. Now, in um, Midian, we said he escaped to Midian. He again showed that he was a foe of unrighteousness and rose in defense of the persecuted. When Yitro's daughters came to the well to water their father's sheep, Moshe saved them from the shepherds who had been bullying them. So the Torah tells us that he married Yitro's daughter and tended Yitro's sheep. He showed his compassion in the treatment of the sheep. There's a medrash that describes how Moshe saw a lamb that was tired and unable to walk. So Moshe himself carried this lamb so it could regain its strength. Okay, but then while tending the sheep, he saw the burning bush, at which point God asked him to rescue the Israelites. Thus, 
in answer to the question, why did God select Moshe? He selected him because Moshe grew up in the palace where he was educated for leadership, but he was also raised by his mother as someone who understood what it meant to be righteous. Um, and he fought for that righteousness against the taskmaster, against his fellow Israelites, against the Midianite shepherds. And he showed his compassion for the Israeli slave who was being beaten, for the female shepherds, and for the sheep. It was only someone with these abilities who could stand up to Paro and lead uh, B'nai Israel to redemption from Egypt with righteousness uh, and and to ex and to subsequently accept God's Torah, um, that's why he was the one who had to be selected by by God for for this task. Right. So so just to summarize. So why, unlike, why do you think Moshe unlike the rest of the Israelites? Moshe in the palace under the tutelage of Pharaoh of, um, um, gained, he, he gained leadership ability. Like he right? pushed back. Because you have to be a leader to be at the top of the palace. Right. And, and, but in addition to that, through his interaction with his mother and the other Israelites, he... Um, gained a sense of righteousness and compassion which uh, would be required by God for him to be the leader of the Jewish people and to get them to accept the Torah at Sinai. So kind of like the concept is is you needed somebody that was was two things that should have been opposites from each other. Like one is having like a lot of like like um, like the world coming to you in the sense that like he's able to just enjoy his life but and not care about other people, but also caring about other people and like having an understanding of how institutions should work, but also having an understanding that he should care about people at the same time. Because so frequently people are one or the other. They either care like a lot about right. like every person and care about people, or they care about the institutions. It, and like right. uh, and, you needed somebody that was both understanding of, of both. Is that, is that that God needed for a leader? And really, the only one who could do that was uh, was Moshe, because he he spent considerable time being a leader in the palace, whereas the other Israelite, Israelites were just primarily slaves the whole time and could not engage in leadership. Right. Okay, interesting. Um, I think that's definitely a way to look at the Moshe story and be like, um, that's why you know, he's the type of person that can like go into Egypt and say, I'm a big deal, pay attention to me, but also like lead people out 
at the same time. Like, you know, he could be the activist at the beginning, but also lead right. them into something right. stable. He was leading uh, them. To and he's able to do that, obviously, because we see him that, do it. That, that's, that's the whole purpose of this whole portion of, of the right. book of Exodus. Um, so, and, and, and because of his leadership qualities, he was able to do that. Yeah, please. Interesting. Okay. Um, do you mind if I if I switch over? Because we're yeah. So so something that I I always think about when I get to Moshe um, is something called um, the monomyth or the hero's journey. Um, it was made famous by or it was created by uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, primarily in A Hero with a Thousand Faces in 1949, um, and he actually uses Moshe's this week's parsha as an example of the beginning of a hero's journey. Um, basically his concept is, um, you can Google it, you can search it, um, is that every hero goes through at least some of the same stages. Um, and the first stage is a call to adventure. Um, and I can read from the book, A Hero to a Thousand Faces. Um, so the book states, um, the first stage of the mythological journey, which we have destined, designated the call to adventure, signifies that destiny has summoned the hero and transferred his spiritual center of gravity from within the pale of his society to his own unknown. One may casually strolling, one may be casually strolling when some passing phenomenon catches the wandering eye and lures one away from the frequented paths of man. Yeah. yeah uh, so um, does that sound like something in this week's Parsha? The, I, I imagine I mean, it Moshe, does. Moshe and the people went through, the, through this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So like, he's just walking around, right? He's doing, his, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, like tending to his sheep and all of a sudden, um, I mean, in the words, right. Um, he casually strolling and a passing phenomenon, right. The passing phenomenon is this, uh, angel's voice that's coming out of a burning bush. And it's just this crazy thing that just, you know, catches his eye and it lures him away. And it's, and so Joseph Campbell actually uses this um, as an example of like the story um, creating Moshe as a hero, as like the hero um, that becomes, you know, the leader of the Jewish people. Um, and just some, like the next stage frequently is the refusal of the call where they say, no, they don't want to do it. And Moshe certainly does that, right? Moshe says, right. Eh, I'm not the right person, choose somebody else. Right, but, but um, the, you know, the, the, he certainly has that. I'm not going to go through all the all the things, um, but the next one looks, yeah, uh, God choosing him, and, and yeah, you you could analyze each of those, you know, right, and that's actually a, a right, but that concept at least is a very normal hero story journey, um, because like you know, that, that hero not wanting to go on, but eventually decides to do it. Um, like the third one is that he gets supernatural aid, um, that he gets, uh, mm -hmm. what's it called? He gets a protective figure, an old man, a little mm -hmm. crone or an old man, and he gets amulets against the forces. Right. So that's, he gets our own, right. Our own comes to help him and he gets a staff, like this magical staff. Um, and he gets to do these miracles with making sarat on his body. Right. Uh, but he gets the staff. And he gets like 
you know, things to help him. Um, and that's all in this week's Parsha. That's the beginning of the hero's journey, which yeah, is pretty cool. He, um, um, that it, that it kind of works out that way. All the things that happen to him prepare him for his leadership role. Even him be, him becoming Sarat, uh, getting leprosy. Right. Um, so was yeah. also to teach him that he has to overcome things uh, in in order to be the leader that God wants him to be. Right, and and that ends up being like a normal thing, um, a normal thing in heroes' journeys and heroes' stories, and like. Um, and the reason I like this so much, um, I'm just going to do two because it explains two questions that I've never understood about um, about honestly the the whole the whole story. Um, but it's in the, it's in next week's parsha, right? The, the story. story at the end is in next week's parsha, right? In Vayera, I guess. At the at the end with uh, no, that's in with that's in Sipora this week's parsha. The, um, and the bris mila. Yeah. yeah, in other words. In other words. Yeah. Oh, that's what this week's special also. Oh, I didn't have we it in the summary. It. Okay, so as right. they're going back, to, oh, you're right. They get back to Paro. So of course they. So on um, their way back to Paro, uh, mo, mo, uh, God. Right. So what, tells what happens? Moshe to go to Paro because all of the people who were out to kill him um, had had died, and therefore it was safe for him to go back. And on the way back. Um, he stops at an inn, and uh, one of his two sons was not circumcised. So, so, um, so God decided to send an angel to kill him. But then Sipora um, took took a, a flint and right and performed the the bris the circumcision performs the circumcision and, uh, that right. saved uh, uh, uh moshe's life so so dad so dad tell me i'm going to read from the book tell me tell me if that sounds like this with the personifications of his destiny to guide him and aid him the hero goes forth in his adventure until he comes to the threshold guardian at the entrance. The, adve- the adventure is always and everywhere a passage beyond the veil of the known into the unknown. The powers that watch at the boundary are dangerous. To right. deal with them are risky. Um, Yet for anyone with competence and courage, the danger fades. Right? So he gets to the boundary between he's going on his journey, he's going to Paro, and like he gets into like a fight and you don't know why. But like within this story, it actually kind of makes sense um, right. that he needs to overcome some huge os- obstacle to get right. to Paro. He, um, I, I think it's very similar to what you said, right? He, he needs to and, overcome and here, certain things. It, it wasn't even him who overcame it. It was his wife who who helped him out and saved his life. Right. So, so Joseph Campbell doesn't use this example, but the reason I think he doesn't use this example is that reason. It's because Sipora saves him. But I think what's really unique about the Moshe story is that Moshe isn't a hero in a vacuum. Like so many of our heroes, um, like in movies or whatever, are out doing their thing and they're saving the world on their own. But Moshe doesn't do that. He like really does it with his family, with his 
people, you know, nothing. He doesn't go through anything by himself other than the burning bush, right? That's the only thing he really goes through by himself. But other than that, he goes through it with his brother, with his wife. And I think that's really a model of Jewish leadership. Jewish leadership is not one that is um, is done by yourself, but it's one that's done within the fabric of your community, within the fabric of your well, family. I think, um, and that's very yeah, unique. Can I just say um, one more thing It's very unique in that? the Moshe story. It's interesting um, that the Passover and can I do one more? relates um, the whole yeah. story yeah, of sure. the Exodus. It, it focuses on the whole story about what we're talking about doesn't really mention Moshe. It only it indicates that Moshe did all these things, but he was really doing it as the servant of God, and therefore the emphasis is on God, um, not um, as Moshe the hero, but he's he's the supporting cast that helped God carry out his uh, wishes. Right, but and and I think it's not in the Pesach story. It's not just a focus on God because it is obviously, but it's a focus on the Jewish people instead of Moshe. And I think this is why, is because the the Exodus story, Moshe is the hero in the Exodus story, but Moshe is only a hero in the context of the people. Like as time goes on, Moshe is still supremely important, but like he's just the person that helped. Um, and the hero of the story is really the Jewish people going through, um, which is pretty pretty different than most. But, but I, I would say but, even but the, the way Jewish most people tell people the story, um, but, but that most stories we hear, what, what you call them as heroes, right. they did it because of of the inspiration that Moshe gave them. They could they couldn't have done it without Moshe, and that's absolutely absolutely right. Right. Yeah, Moshe's still indispensable, but he's right. indispensable the, in the, the that, uh, only in that context, right? Like it's different than like uh you know, like uh like the mm-hmm. the Star Trek explorer going out and like saving everything by themselves right. and then That's leaving. True. Right? It's okay. like it's very different than most heroes that you see. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do one more just cause I think it's really cool. Um, just cause I'm doing this right now. So after they do the golden calf, so one of the, um, one of the steps of the hero's journey is, is being tempted and failing sometimes. So the Jewish people get tempted and fail. And the next step is atonement of the father. Yeah. Um, so li- listen to this. You can tell me if you can think of what's happening here. Um, this is from the book. One must have faith that the Father is merciful and then reliance on that mercy. Therewith, the center of belief is transferred outside of the bedeviling God's tight, scaly ring and the dreadful ogres dissolve. So this sentence, one must have faith that the Father is merciful and then reliance no, on that well, mercy. Does that sound um, like anything? That um, I know I'm putting a lot on you right that, now. Um, Can you think God of what I'm talking about? God wants to destroy the Jewish people, but because... Because of the golden calf, but but uh, because of Moshe's pleading on behalf of the people, uh, he relents and he shows his compassion and mercy towards the Jewish people.
Right. But part of that story, God tells Moshe how to plead. Right? So it's it's Shmot Lamed Bet, right? Vayinachem Hashem And God repented of the evil which he had said he would do unto his people. Right? And then what comes is the 13 attributes of mercy. Right? God tells us, say these 13 attributes of mercy and, and I'll forgive you, right? And that's what we do on Yom Kippur. But I never thought, until I thought about this through, I never thought of why that works. But I think this is why this works, yeah. is that one must have faith that the Father is merciful and reliance yeah. on that no, mercy. No, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I just think that, that's part of this of, story. I just think it's really cool. Where we see God's compassion yeah. for, for the people. Yeah. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Um, well, um, so, well, any other thoughts I, on Parsha Shmot? Or let me let me just say. I mean, I'm sure you have other thoughts on Parsha Shmot, um, but anything know, else my you My daughter Margot, who has appeared in these uh, webcasts, yeah. podcasts, um, she always used to tell little riddles, and one of her riddles right. was on this Parsha. Well, was in this story where she asks, "Who was the first doctor in the Bible?" And her answer is God, because he gave Moshe two tablets. You know, yeah, that's, that's supposed to be that's funny for a six-year-old, but but it, it just bring uh, yeah. reminded <laughs> me of that. And also, I wanted to mention that right that that parsha th- there are six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, and none of them are found in parsha Shemot. However, um, the rabbis tell us that there's a, a mitzvah to review the parsha every week, two times the text and one time um, a, a with a commentary. And right. the rabbis, um, the Balaturim actually, learns it from from the initial letters of the first 16 words in Parshat Shemot. I'm not going to go through the actual phrases, but it's interesting to note that um, that uh, they use this Parsha to teach us uh, a law about what we should do every week in terms of studying the Parsha. Oh, right. So Shnai Mikra Vecha Targum, two times right. reading the right. um, the text and one time reading a commentary is the same initials as Shmot, essentially. Uh, right. Very interesting. Okay. Um, so thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I know the technology okay. was a little complicated. Thank you very much for having me. This is a little bit complicated me. technology. And, uh, um, and um, I'll see you soon. And Thanks. Um, And for those listening, pay attention for the next episodes of In the Pod Shop.